0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Black Nature Narratives podcast. I'm Beth. In this episode, I'm talking with Nana Furman, who's the Muslim Outreach Director at Green Faith, an international non-profit multi-faith climate and environmental organisation. Listen in to find out how religious congregations can contribute to environmental education and social engagement, and the importance of highlighting and interpreting the value of nature through existing theology. So I'm happy to be here today with Nana Furman, who is the Muslim Outreach Director at Green Faith. Thank you. Thank you
1: for having me. Um, What's the work of Green Faith? What do you do? So, Green Faith is an international interfaith uh, collaboration uh, on uh, environmental uh, actions. So, we work with people of faith, uh, different faiths, multi faiths or even interfaith on trying to find their voices and also how they can um, uh, express their faith uh, teaching and tradition on uh, caring for the environment and caring for the earth uh, on uh, real actions. Mm-hmm. So there's something
0: there about people being able to bring the wisdom and the ideology of their faith into the work they do engaging with the the environment?
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, in all uh, religious and faith teachings and even in the indigenous traditions, and uh, we understand that all of them have the same um, theme that everyone agrees that we are the caretaker of the earth that we have to protect the earth Mm -hmm. manage it well not to destroy it so it's all the same thing again and again that i see on uh, different faiths Mm -hmm. and traditions Mm
0: -hmm. that that concept of mother earth being someone we need to care for as well as being cared by
1: yes exactly yes
0: and do you feel that that's um a narrative that uh, gets lost or isn't necessarily there in sort of mainstream environmental organizations?
1: So within the faith communities, I think the um, narrative is there, but somehow it's not highlighted or it doesn't connect, uh, it's not being connected to what is happening out there. Mm -hmm. Somehow it's, the disconnect is like, what's the destruction or like all the pollution that we see out there is, you know, like as just like the impact or the effect of development. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's nothing to do with religions or faith teachings or tradition. So we're trying to bring uh, this uh, back to the faith community that this is an ethical issue, this is a moral issue, and we need to be in the uh, uh, forefront Mm -hmm. on taking the action and also taking the roles. Because, um, like, over the time, like, we haven't heard anything significant for from any religious figure mm. on, you know, like, um, either commenting or even, like, you know, like, talking about this until Pope Francis uh, released the encyclical. And then now suddenly we have, you know, the last five years, I think it's been amazing. Uh, we hear a lot of, like... Uh, faith uh, tradition and also like messages uh, about caring for the environment and how we can uh, we. this is our responsibility to combat climate change yeah
0: it seems
1: um significant that th- this
0: message is already there within the, re- the religious faith within the doctrine um, but yet it's perhaps taken um recent uh, proclamations um to spare a greater sense perhaps of involvement or, or um, belonging within the issue.
1: What's your understanding of, of why that might be? So I think like um, most of the religious uh, communities, like they like most, uh, like, you know, all these times they're more focused on, you know, rituals, mm-hmm. like, you know, like you pray, you know, like you do good things, but not necessarily like, like connecting the dots, yes. And um, even like when you talk about climate change, maybe they don't call it climate change because mm-hmm. it's so abstract. But they know there's a disaster. There's a hurricane happen, and there's like big flood, flash flood, flood, or droughts happening mm-hmm. everywhere. Or like natural resources is you know like it's just being ex, you know like excavated like uh, you know like uh, like there's no tomorrow. So they know that, but somehow they. Like it's they don't call it climate change or mm-hmm. ecological um, uh, you know like um, uh, disaster yeah, so we try to connect this narrative mm-hmm. that this is actually the consequences by our own behavior as human being, um, namely from our development yes. concept and um, and practice and then, and take them back to look on our scriptures, the teachings Mm -hmm. of the traditions from each uh, faith. Mm -hmm. Then they looked it up and they see that that is actually not You know, like not according to their faith teaching because greed Mm -hmm. in every religion is not good. Yes. And then when you see, like, and then you put it, the picture, like how do we actually practice that in our lives and how we see the development being, you know, like uh, carry Mm -hmm. on. And we see that's like, actually, that is greed. And then like, where is the ethical issue on that? Yeah. And then they suddenly realize, wow, that is our responsibility that is our issue Mm -hmm. so then you know like we call upon the the religious leaders to have you know like their voices like you know like uh stronger and Mm -hmm. you know in in calling it as it is and then also like to uh bring about the faith communities to take action on this yeah, that there's something grounding by revisiting the scripture and
0: seeing that actually it is part of the faith yes, to yeah. protect mm-hmm. um, and preserve the natural yes. world.
1: Yeah, so that's that's the I think this is like the pivoting thing, um, like moment mm-hmm. in history where people actually going, I mean like going back to the scripture and look at it and a different like you know like kind of like. Um, Lands, yes, and you know, and then like trying to translate that also with what it, what does it mean on today's, yes. you know, time,
0: a, a real world problem here and now. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Which are the countries that you're working with at the moment?
1: So uh, I'm here in the United States. so I work with the uh, different faith communities in the U.S. Also, and also especially with the Muslim community because that's my community. So that I work uh, with the the Islamic Society of North America mm-hmm. and trying to bring the green mosque uh, program. And I'm originally from Indonesia, so I've been working in Indonesia previously, and I work with the, the Ulama Council in Indonesia mm-hmm. in trying to bring this issue about greening the mosque, uh, trying to um, introduce the solar mosque, yes. and, and also like trying to how can we um, save the water not to waste water uh to be cons you know like to be aware of that Mm -hmm. and also other things like you know waste is a big issue everywhere so like we try to bring that issue also and also like we um like work with religious uh leaders Mm -hmm. and trying to provide also uh training for them, mm-hmm. so then they can incorporate that in their sermons. Yes. That sounds really influential that
0: if people are visiting a, a green mosque that values sustainability and right. the imams are preaching uh, exactly, this environmental yes. message, yeah. it must inspire people to, right. to
1: want to live up to that themselves. So I call that as hardware and software. Uh-huh. The hardware is the mosque itself, Is the mo- if the mosque is green mosque, then when people come to the mosque, they see it as a hardware, it's mo- the green mosque itself, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's, it's run sustainably, you know, like not, you don't waste water. And, you know, like there's like solar panel installed and, you know, you have like a little, like, you know, like uh, like food gardens mm-hmm. uh, outside. And, and at the same time, when they come, they hear this lecture or this sermon on what is the Islamic teaching on protecting the earth. Mm-hmm. That is that is our responsibility as the stewards yes. on this earth. So then you know like it's they see it but they hear it at the same time. So mm-hmm. then I think that's very powerful. And that's actually that program has been implemented in Morocco. So Morocco has uh the government of Morocco has the program of fifteen thousand mosques mm-hmm. uh Uh, being installed with solar panel but also training the the religious leaders like men and women uh, like you know teachers to teach in the mosque about the islamic teaching on uh, protecting the earth that is this is this is part of the your religious duty yes it's really
0: exciting thinking that the the number of um committed worshippers in in the countries you're working with of how influential this program can be in in affecting real change in the way people think about themselves as agents of um, supporting the environment
1: yes yeah yeah and I work actually with the like organization in the UK called IFES mm-hmm. uh, the Islamic Foundation for Ecology and Environmental Sciences mm. based in Birmingham and then my colleague uh, over there uh, Kamran, uh is working with Bahutras in trying to work with the with the religious leaders uh, in, in the Muslim leaders in the UK, trying to greening their mosques. first, like by uh, running the green Ramadan program, you know, mm-hmm. like trying to make our Ramadan more sustainably, so it's not like you know produce like too much waste when they're mm-hmm. you know break their fast. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um,
0: it, it sounds that there's something here that's very global. Uh, you mentioned working in the states, in the UK, and Morocco, but it, it feels um, faith communities are an international community and i can imagine these ideas spreading and and being taken up in lots of different contexts around the world but united by that that sense of faith
1: yeah i think like the last few years has been like you know like just culminating of that uh you know like that energy spirit Mm. like coming together and people heard about that now we have like several um uh, like uh individual or uh, like institution also in africa that want to join this mm. effort and they said hey why can't we have that we want to do that too because yes. they're very like religious you know like uh, communities mm-hmm. you know most of people in the world are because based on pure research uh 84 percent of the world populations still consider yes. themselves as faith, community of faith yeah so If we, like, you know, like, they know that, like, you know, like, they're people of faith, and Mm -hmm. they also want to do something good to protect the earth. So then when they heard this, actually, it's like, you can, you know, like, bring this from your own religious teaching, then, like, everyone wants to be on board with this. And, you know, like, we're, we always got like, emails from people from different parts of the world, do you have green faith in this part of the mm. world? Like, do you, how can we join you? Like, how can I start, you know, something in my own backyard, you know, like, in my own city, like, so, yeah. Yeah, and it's,
0: I work uh, with communities of people of colour in, in the UK, and it's always important that we're able to ground our connection in our own lived experience and our own uh traditional knowledge and wisdom um, systems, rather than feeling we have to adopt um, a predominant narrative, which may not actually resonate or, or feel that we have a part in that. Uh, there's something that feels really exciting and inspiring about Green Faith, which allows people to feel that sense of ownership and belonging, that this is c- something that comes from within the community.
1: Yes, so I think like that's what makes it like people um, uh, uh, being inspired, mm. they feel inspired and also like the excitement you know, like yeah. they p- feel that this is it's this accessible. is what I yeah, accessible yeah. and I'm already familiar with this, yes. Yeah. so it's just like, you know, putting in a different perspective yes. now, so and they feel like proud with that because mm. when they do it because, you know, like one time I was um, in Oregon visiting my friend and the she was complaining about, you know, like doing um like the city just changed the i think like the policy to to ensure that every household to do uh, composting mm. and she was complaining because it's taking up her time yeah and then i and she's a very religious woman mm-hmm. so i told her oh this is according to the islamic teaching and she was like wait a minute mm-hmm. what are you talking about composting is part of the islamic teaching yeah how so so i explained to her even i quoted the verse in the quran that you know like those who are waster are the the brothers or the sister of the devil mm. like who wants that mm. right so and she's like wow i didn't never realize that so she said you have to talk in the mosque and i said like no i'm not here to mm. lecture people and then she called the mosque. It's like, oh, you know, I have my sister here. Can you, can, you know, like she's talking about composing is part of Islam. And so like the next day I was speaking in the mosque. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, you know, like there's a lot of uh, ladies there. And then in the beginning, they're like, what are you going to talk about? Like composting mm-hmm. and like Islam mm-hmm. doesn't have any relation. So then I explained about the environmental like crisis And at the end of that session, like some of the women said, now I'm going to compose, not because the the Mm -hmm. city government, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like require me to do so, but because this is part of my Islamic duty.
0: Yes it sounds it changes it from feeling like a chore to something that feels like a source of pride and right togetherness exactly. in looking after the yeah. world
1: so exactly so i said you know like when i see that i was like so surprised that it's like the same like action but yes. then like the narrative is completely different yeah yeah really powerful
0: stuff and nana what's been your journey into working in the environmental
1: field So it's been like interesting, I should say, because like, um, and sometimes it's lonely also Mm. because uh, I think like, um, like working on the environmental, uh, like, you know, like space from the faith perspective, Mm -hmm. it's still rare. Mm. So most of the time I'm, you know, like alone. Yeah. And being a Muslim also, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of Muslim uh, like working uh, like you know on the environmental like uh, like work or space from the Islamic perspective. Yeah, and so it's like it's also lonely. So uh, so like when I'm in the environmental groups, like I'm like the minority minority. Yes. And then when I'm with the Muslim, I'm also the minority minority. Mm. So sometimes it's kind of like. You know, like, it's, it's a lonely place, but I think this is something that I'm very passionate. Yeah. And, and uh, so, and, but, you know, like, the last few years I've uh, met other people who's working on this, and... Um, it's very pioneering work, and yeah. I
0: recognize what you're saying in uh, sometimes having to build the community to then right. be able to feel the support yourself of being within a community of, of yeah. shared values and, and shared purpose.
1: Yeah, and uh, my mentor actually from UK, uh, Fajlun Khalid, in uh, uh, from Birmingham, and but being a woman mm. and also like another thing that is like yes. you know like very um, you know lonely because that's not a lot, and and I'm wearing hijab, so yeah. like whenever I'm coming uh, in the space, like I'm very like you know like. Like it stand out because everybody looked at me. Like one time I came in late to this uh, climate meetings and I came in. I opened the door. All eyes were, were on me and they're like, "Are you lost?" I said, "Like no, this is room such and Gosh. such." And they're like yeah, what are you doing here? I said, like, oh, I'm supposed to be in this meeting, sorry, I'm late. Wow. But they didn't expect yes. me to be there.
0: But what a, a hostile and rejecting response to you. Are you lost? You, yes. you shouldn't be here.
1: Yeah, so that's like, you know, like, that's like still, uh, you know, uh, like, you know, it's not it's not a common thing, you know, like mm. uh, you see, uh, like, you know, like in, um, in the environmental space, but, you know, like, but I think that my other uh, purpose is also I wanted to give an example to the mm-hmm. next generation. So when I give a talk, for example, to the Muslim young uh, youth, mm-hmm. you know, like the young generations and especially the girls, they feel like more confident because they see me there. Yes. And so like when I'm um, like I talk in several like international events, um, there's like some young Muslim girls came up to me and they said thank you for representing us there. So I hope like by doing that it's going to instill on them also. Yeah you become a role model for people that can see someone that
0: looks like them yeah, and I know I this, so. this space is for them too. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. You were working um, in conservation before you started to focus on faith. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what you were involved with.
1: So I was working with the WWF, World Wildlife Fund uh, for Nature, and um, I was working in Indonesia. That was after the tsunami in 2004, mm. uh, in December. So like early 2005, they uh, WWF called uh, me to, you know, like to be on their mission, um, the scoping mission, to go to Aceh at that time um, to look after their... Um, their program, mm-hmm. as well as like uh, how to ensure that the reconstruction that is going that was going to happen was not going to destroy more the environment. Yeah.
0: Were you a scientist, what was your role? So
1: I'm uh, so my background is an urban design. Mm-hmm. So I'm an ur- I was so they call me as an urban designer, urban planner. Mm-hmm. So like from the special planning yeah. background. But I ended up running their program for four years on the green reconstruction uh, program. And so I led the program and, you know, like then I had to learn a lot of environmental issues that um, I wasn't aware before. So like all the forest issue, the coastal issue, the marine issue, the you know the spa uh, spacious uh, uh issues. So, but I I'm you know like I had a lot of like uh, colleagues that are experts on that. So mm-hmm. they give me like crash courses. Yeah. So courses. So many crash courses. So the green program was the aim to repair or restore the yeah. damage. The yes, the damage. Had done yeah. To the natural world. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And then we mm. ran um like uh, several campaigns uh like. Protecting the forest at that time is called timber for Ache. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to protect the pristine forest so people don't cut the forest just to do the rehabiliti- the reconstruction right. because that ta- at that time you know like for the reconstruction they have to build like hundreds and thousands of houses mm-hmm. and they were like you know like looking for the timbers and they said oh there's pre- hope forest there yeah. why don't we just chop the forest and I said that time like well if you chop the forest here next year you're going to have a tsunami from, you know, from the hills. So then, so like that's like a lot of like uh, advocacy on that. Mm -hmm. And also like the coastal area, we rehabilitate the coastal area, replanting with Mm -hmm. the community. In the beginning, the community said, why do you want us to plant? We lost our homes, we lost our family. Planting is not going to serve, you know, solve that problem. So we created a program where they also can get benefit and also, like, do the planting, but at the end, they actually said, no, we want to plant because we actually have, like, extra income from Mm -hmm. that because, you know, like, the the crabs, the shrimps start to come, and then that's, like, their extra, you know, like, you know, like, for their own um, livelihoods. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. they said, like, oh, we want to protect the, you know, like, the coastal, the green coastal area now. So that from that is, you know, like, but in the beginning, it was very hard, especially after disaster, because mm-hmm. people just like want survive focus. Yeah, survive and also rebuild right mm-hmm. away without mm-hmm. even thinking. How, where we where we are we uh, where are we going to rebuild like yeah. like and what resources like what building materials where does it come from? So that's how I got into this the Islamic teaching because mm-hmm. I was frustrated how to communicate this with people and they seem not to understand me because mm. I was using this jargon, sustainability, mm. conservation, you know, like very like, yes. you know, like the language of yes. the Western Asia, yes, yes mm. exactly, and I was like so frustrated, why can't they under- understood me, And and then like my friend told me, because they're very like, you know, strong Muslim communities, why don't you, you know, approach it from the Islamic teaching, and I'm like, what? I've never thought about that, mm. and I like forced me as a Muslim to actually look my on my own faith. Like, what yeah. does it say about you know, like protecting the earth? And mm. I found a lot. Yeah, yeah.
0: Now it's so interesting to listen to you and the, the way you're approaching uh, engaging communities. Um, sadly, it's a, a voice, a narrative that isn't heard enough, I think, in in mainstream environmental fields. Um, where can people? Um, find out more about the work that you're doing?
1: So uh, um, uh, they can, everyone can go to our website, Mm -hmm. uh, greenfaith.org, And also we have um, this uh, current campaign that we ask people of faith to make a difference on their lives. Mm -hmm. So this is like an individual commitment on changing your lifestyle uh, the the campaign is called Living the Change, mm-hmm. so the website is Living the Change net and that there is like you know like different ways of pe- of how people can uh, change their lifestyle, uh, and we which will contribute on saving you know like saving the planet, like from our like we are aiming on the three uh. uh approach that uh, based on the research uh, it's going to make a big difference Is from the diet uh, how we consume our food mm. uh, and also like how we move around mobility like transportation Yeah, that's a big issue in the world so
0: how our everyday lifestyle yes, is impacting
1: yes and then also like the energy that we use everyday mm. mm. so our home energy so those three are the main thing that is you know, like, making a big impact if we all, like, you know, change our own way to, Mm. you know, like, how we eat our food and, you know, like, how we move around and also, like, the energy that we use every day.
0: We can take personal responsibility for these choices. yeah, Great. Thanks so much for your time, Nana. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Black Nature Narratives. Check back soon for new episodes. If you're in the UK and want to be part of a community of people of colour gathering in nature in real life, sign up to wildinthecity.org.uk for updates, events and membership. To support this podcast, visit our Patreon page or the link below.